0: Welcome to a very special
1: edition of the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. This episode was recorded during one of our midweek Bible studies. Please enjoy listening as we
0: share with you our fellowship and devotion to God's written word. Thank you and God bless.
1: We're going to change gears just a little bit here. We're still on the theme of the little foxes, but... Um... We're going to change, spend a week or two uh, now, and tonight, for the first night uh, uh, ever, I think we are recording our Wednesday night service. We lost both of our uh, Sunday uh, podcasts, we lost uh, the recordings, <laughs> and so sometimes things happen. It's not the first time that, that it's happened before. We lost those, and uh, I, I told Sister Hogan uh, today. I said, you know, I think it'd be great if we tried to record one of our Wednesday night classes and um just kind of promoted a little bit on the podcast so if you're listening for the first time on the podcast uh hopefully brother jones does fantastic tonight with his part i know i will but (laughs) Uh, we're going to have a good time. Wednesday night is an incredible part of what we do and Amen. what we are. Probably the most successful thing that we've ever done as a church as far as increasing attendance. And not just that, but uh, just the stability that we get, the good, solid teaching that we get on Wednesday, the life lessons that we that we partake in right. uh, on Wednesday night just to help us get through the day-by-day routines. It's such an important part. Of what we are, it's not all about the shout. It's not all about the evangelism. It's not all about the Sunday, you know, uh, uh, type of service. Wednesday nights are that that time that is geared for stabilizing us. You know, the emotion that we receive on Sunday is stabilized by the knowledge we receive on Wednesdays and yeah. the teaching of the Word. And I'm so glad that we have this, uh, this time together. I'm going to turn the lesson tonight over to, to Brother Jones. He can fill you in on what we're going to be talking about tonight. And we'll try to do our best to get through at least a portion of this tonight. And what we don't finish up tonight, we'll finish up next week. Amen. And Jones. since this
0: is on the podcast, if you want to laugh a little extra harder, you know, like clap a little louder or something. If I say something funny, yeah, like just for the podcast. Do a matter of it for fact, the, we do could go get
1: a, everybody a microphone and give, uh, you know, really make it sound like we, we could. got like 3,000 people jammed in We street. could. We oh, could. Okay. You all
0: make it hard on me. I'm, I'm up against chili dogs and root beer floats. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> so we're going to talk about... Um, Something that we all run into uh, every single day um, at every single four-way you find yourself at, and that's double-minded people. (laughs) I had a different allegory, but uh, analogy, I should say, analogy. Uh, I was thinking about that on my way to church. I get frustrated at every four-way I ever go to in my whole life because... um, that's what it is, is people with their blinker on going straight. Um, and, and can I say this about four ways? We are so carnal. Can I say? The, the four ways, it's not a time thing. It's not like, oh, I've been sitting here for a certain amount of time, so it's my turn. No, there is a, there's a system, right? Okay. First come, first serve. First come, first serve, right. And I get it every day. People are like, oh, I've been sitting here for five seconds. I guess it's my turn. No, it's just because the other person's slow at turning it doesn't mean you get to go ahead of me. Okay? So, double mindedness. Um, <clears throat> James 1 and 8, familiar scripture, um, says this a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. All. Oh. That might have been one of the first scriptures I ever memorized Mm. because I remember uh, getting in the church at a young age and just hearing that from a youth pastor, pastor, uh, just how important that is to instill in somebody and get them to understand um, the dangers of being a double-minded man. Um, Easton's been doing this thing here lately where he will be hungry for a certain food a certain meal, he'll be thirsty for a certain drink, and, and we, we will go, you know, being the responsible parents, we will go, we will make him the, the food that he requested, we will pour him the drink that he asked for, uh, and then when it is finally right there in front of him, all of a sudden, his taste buds have changed. yeah yeah his mind has changed and he no longer wants what he wanted 45 seconds ago mm. right okay and i know some of you are like you make him sit there until he eats and stuff like you don't know my child because he won't eat it so why even go there let's just throw it in the trash he will sit there and i you know If you want to counsel me as my on my parenting, that's fine. We can talk after this and stuff. But, but what what I will do nowadays is I will wait two to three minutes after he requests something, maybe a little bit longer. Okay. Um, I'll I'll wait just to make sure. And I want to say, are you sure? Are you positive? The other day he said, Dad, I want a glass of milk. Dad, can I have a glass of milk? Sure, I'll get you a glass of milk. One second. Give me one second. So I waited there for about four to five minutes. And uh, Dad, can I get a glass of milk? Yeah. And he can't can't reach the cups and stuff. People are like, get it himself. You know, like, (laughs) okay. No, he can't reach the cups. So I go in there. I get the cup out. I get the milk out. And I stop. And I said, are you sure? And he goes, no, nah, I don't want it.
1: <laughs>
0: no. And I try to tell him, Easton, you're gonna be unstable in all your, w- no, I didn't say that conversation with him. <laughs> but, you know, I give that just to kind of open up talking about double-mindedness. And um, double-mindedness, it's, it's something that can destroy Uh, our effectiveness um, for the kingdom of God. And that's kind of been what uh, this whole theme is on the little foxes. All of these little foxes that we have been talking about and discussing are things that will destroy your effectiveness in the kingdom of God. And we all want to be effective, right? We want to be a church that is on the offensive side of things, not the defensive things. We want to be moving uh, and advancing the kingdom. and we want, and in order to advance the kingdom of God, we have to be effective. And so that's what it's all about. So double mindedness is something that can destroy uh, your effectiveness for the kingdom of God. And double-mindedness, we'll jump into it what it is. Um, it, it, double-mindedness speaks of, of instability. Uh, it speaks of doubting. It speaks of uh, hesitating. Um, the term wishy-washy kind of comes to mind when you think of double-mindedness. Uh, somebody who is wavering or uncertain. Um, somebody, you know, your wife can't figure out where to eat at. You know, those are all good examples. Uh, no. <laughs> I am that person who can't. We've already discussed that. Um, but this is what it is. A double-minded man... Is being pulled by two worlds and two different masters. Um, In fact, he is a man who looks forward to plow the harvest of the future, but he also looks back in consideration of the past. It's double minded. He's being pulled by two different worlds. Uh, A gentleman by the name of Barry Lorch, in his San Diego Union column some time ago told of a debate on the floor of the United States Senate about 140 years ago. And the issue was whether alcohol should be sold in the territories that were seeking statehood. And one notoriously anti-alcohol senator who, according to one description, was so dry he was known as a fire hazard. Literally, you can read that. He challenged he challenged one of his colleagues to state his position on alcohol. And and supposedly, his colleague stood up and said this. He said, you asked me how I feel about whiskey. Well, here's how I stand on the question. If when you say whiskey, you mean that devil's brew, that poison spirit, that bloody monster that defiles innocence. It dethrones reason. It destroys the home. It creates misery uh, and poverty. Yes, literally takes the bread from the mouths of little children. If you mean the evil drink that topples the Christian man from the pinnacle of righteousness and gracious living and causes him to descend to the pit of degradation, despair, shame, and helplessness, then I am certainly against it with all my heart. But, if when you say whiskey, you mean the oil of conversation, the philosophic wine, the ale consumed when good fellows get together, that puts a song in their hearts and laughter on their lips, the warm glow of contentment in their eyes, if you mean Christmas cheer, if you mean that stimulating drink that puts the spring in an old man's footsteps on a frosty morning, If you are talking about that drink, then I am certainly in favor of it. (laughs) And he said, this is my stand and I will not compromise. And rumor has it he was running for president. (laughs) Double-mindedness. A double-minded believer is someone who is constantly living in the state of compromise. Half of you live for God while the other half lives for bad habits. Half live to be spiritually minded while the other half is to be carnally minded. Double-mindedness speaks of the man or woman who tries to split his or her energy between the world's system and the work of God. Amen. Jesus said in Luke 11, He said, He that is not with Me is against Me, and he that gathereth not with Me scattereth. And, and James urges us to not, uh, not, 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 not be between two allegiances. He said, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the what? Enemy of God. And I was trying to think in preparation for tonight of a, of a word that could best describe a double-minded person and, the, and one word that just really jumped out at me was Confused. Confused, confused, for me this is, there's a rumbling in the sound, it's chili dogs, Somebody. somebody.
1: <laughs>
0: confused, this is a classic picture of the double-minded or indecisive person, when I think of somebody who is double-minded I think of a very confused individual, the Greek word that James uses is a compound word which draws a picture of a person with two spirits. Um, and if you go through the book of James, he, having just spoken about trials and endurance and wisdom and faith and prayer, it's quite possible that James was speaking of those who knelt before God in prayer while their minds were elsewhere. They were speaking, they were praying to a God, they were offering up prayer while their mind was not a, a, in, a, in a spirit of prayer. Confused. They were confused about their loyalty, they were confused about their allegiance, and they were confused about their God. And Jesus taught us that no one can, no one can serve two masters. In fact, Jesus went so far as to say it is a love-hate proposition. It, 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 in his words, you can't play both sides of the fence. This has been true throughout all of God's Word. This has been true for, since the beginning of time. If you look at the story of Elijah, Elijah asked, he said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? The word hesitate is is halt, it's waver, it's it's balance, it's false, or even, uh, 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 and this is not, you read that, it's not a pretty picture at all. And you even go a step further and go to Joshua, and Joshua proclaimed, he said, choose you this day. Choose today. One translation says, you can't have it both ways. This is the double-minded person thinking they can make everybody happy and never take a stand. You know what they are? They are confused. And I wonder how easy it is for Satan and his demons to trap people while they are confused. How easy, how so much, how much easier is it for us to stumble and fall when we are in a state of confusion? when we are double-minded. Double-minded men and women become guilty of fostering instability in every part of their existence. And this is the dangerous part. It plays over into your family. It plays over into your relationship. It plays over into your job responsibilities and most detrimentally into your progress in the kingdom of God. Amen. The man that is double-minded falls into this strange category of being carnal and spiritual like, you know, serious and sensual, heavenly and worldly, and manifesting evidence of fleshly drives and spiritual progress. Um, let me say this about um, double-mindedness, because uh, I remember learning this at a young age and, and trying, to, trying to get my heart right, trying to get my life right, trying to get in church and live for God. But I was also trying to live for my friends that were outside of church and live for my things that I had going on outside of church. And you know what? At the end of the day, I got really tired. I got, I got worn out. And that's what double-mindedness will do to the believer. It will wear you out. You will be so tired of trying to please everybody when really we should just all worry about pleasing God. You get that right, you get it all right. But we try to literally play both sides of the fence. I'm going to hit on some things real, uh, real quickly before I turn it over to Brother Rice. Um, it is evident that there are two different wills in a double-minded person. There are two different wills that are driving this, this man or woman. Um, this, this double-minded person, it, it, he is a man who wants to be saved but wants to satisfy his, his own carnal nature, his own sinful lust, all at the same time. I know as I say some of these things, like even just reading them in preparation, it's just like how confusing is that? How hard is that to try to balance that life? You can't balance that life. Amen. a double-minded man. He is a man who can be happy in the next world, but wants the the pleasures of this one too. He is a man who has fits and starts of uh, uh, starts of godliness, but never a consistency about his walk. It's up down. It's ebbs and flows. It's 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 uh, we we're on fire, ready to storm the gates of hell, and then the next morning we need the we need our pastor to counsel us because we we're, we're so stressed out about life. We're so stressed out about uh, everything that's going on. A double-minded man is, is a man who lets his relationship with God have great flows and ebbs. It rises and falls. It grows and then it decays. He is a man who has a heart that is bound with impurity and mixes with the world while trying to fellowship with the church. And His behavior in both places is it's, it's, it's repulsive in the eyes of God. What did God say? He said, I'd rather be hot or cold. And to me... A double minded person is one of the most lukewarm spirits, people that you can find yourself around because they won't take a stand at all. Amen. There can be a temptation for every saint of God to fall to the trap of double mindedness. And here's the thing the life of being double minded, I've already said it, it gets old, it gets hard. And it wears people out. You will wear yourself out because you will be running and you will be on that hamster wheel running as hard as you possibly can going absolutely nowhere. Spending all kinds of effort all kinds of energy that if you would take a stand and say yes to the Lord you could put all of that energy and that focus towards His kingdom and the things of God and be so much further ahead than somebody who just won't say yes or no.
1: You know, a double-minded
0: person is really a person
1: that's living a double life. Yeah. And two lives, you know, it's hard to keep up with the one life that that I have. You know, I can't imagine having a double life, but unfortunately, I wish I would not be able to sit here and tell you this, but I, I know of a man that was a pastor that was actually leading a double life, pastoring a church. The church was a relatively successful church. You know, and, and you know, the lessons that we taught the last few weeks about apathy, I think a lot of time will lead into somebody getting to a spiritual state where they, they almost feel like I can have the best of both worlds because yep. I still feel the Spirit of God. Right. I still feel the love of God. I can feel uh, the, the presence of God. But, but I, I'll tell you this much sometimes God will move through a person. To reach somebody else, not not because that person is spiritually where they ought to be, but even in spite of their shortcomings, yeah. he might move through somebody to reach somebody that that needs uh, uh, them to be used by him. That's right. That does not necessarily mean that they are in a spiritual state uh, with God that is one that he is uh, happy about. That's right. And so we have to be very careful of that. Uh, just because we feel God's spirit sometimes doesn't mean that we're living in a state uh, of covenant with him. It reminds me uh, of a game uh, that we used to play as a kid. Uh, My cousin and my sister and myself would spend a lot of Friday nights over at my grandmother and grandfather's house out in the country and they had this long fence row that was probably the length of this room here. I don't know 50, 60 foot long. And uh, on the top of this fence row it had uh, a one by 4 that kind of was the, the, the topper for that fence, and so we could get up there, and we would we would start down on one end, and we would see who could balance the furthest, you know, make it all the way down the fence row, trying to balance, so I was pretty good back in the day, you know, as a kid, I, I, I probably wouldn't make it three or four steps today, I'm not quite as coordinated as I was back in my uh, childhood years. But I, we would begin to walk those, that fence row, and, and if I could make it all the way from one end to the other, you know, I considered myself the winner, and, or whoever did. And there was one thing that, that I noticed about that. That was fun for a while. Uh, it was enjoyable for a while. It was fun to play that game of right. balancing. Uh, but sooner or later, <laughs> let's just face it, you can't live on the fence. Right. I, I never uh, told Grandma, sorry, you know, I, I know you cooked my favorite breakfast, but would you bring it out here on the fence? I'm going to stand out here and balance and eat on the fence. I would have fallen off the th- fence. Uh, I didn't ever sleep on the top of the fence. I, I, I knew that I had enough sense that to, to know that one day I had to get off on one side or the other, and if I didn't decide which side I was going to get off on, it would be decided for me because eventually... Everyone falls on one side or the other. Right, right. You cannot walk your entire life on top of the fence. You eventually will fall or it will flat wear you out. Right. And, and unfortunately, well, unfortunately, I guess for, for this man that I was talking about, his sins did find him out and it destroyed a lot of, lot of things. It was a very sad state of affairs. And, and uh, you know, my heart goes out in one way, but I'm thinking, how did this happen? you know how does this take place and it takes place when somebody becomes uh, uh, spiritually apathetic and then it also takes place when somebody becomes double-minded I I began to do a little research this afternoon on something that came to mind uh, a chameleon everybody knows what a chameleon is maybe you've even had one as a pet I don't know but a chameleon is known for its ability to change colors whatever its background is and so uh, I did a little research on it today, and I, I was like, why does a chameleon change its colors? Is it because uh, uh, that it, so it can disguise itself? Well, that is, that is one particular reason, but it's not the, the foremost reason. I don't know if you know this or not, but a chameleon can run up to 21 miles an hour. I mean, I have trouble swatting a fly in the house. Can you imagine trying to catch a chameleon running 21 miles an hour? So the disguise part of it is is secondary. Uh, The camouflage part of it is secondary. Here's a couple more things, though, that a chameleon, a reason that a chameleon changes colors. Number two, it changes in in order to, um, to reflect its mood, whatever mood it's in. Somebody says, oh, that sounds like my... My spouse. <laughs> we kind of do the same thing. If I look at my wife and her face is beet red and she's not been outside in the sun, sun tanning all day long, i been to, so I, I'll be like, maybe it's best for me to go over, step over here for a little while until her color comes down a little bit. But a chameleon will change its colors based on its mood. It reflects its mood. The third thing is, is that um, it depends upon the temperature of the day. If the temperature is cool, a a chameleon may darken its color in order to absorb more sunlight. If it's a very hot day, it may lighten its color in order to reflect the sunlight. Now, I thought those things were fairly interesting because I have said for a long time that I know some Christians that, uh, that I have met in my life that what I call chameleon Christians. They just kind of blend in with whatever it is. They they are camouflaged Christians sometimes, you know, uh, where they just want to fit in with whatever group that they are. But there's more to it than than that. Uh, I I think that uh, there is uh, some other things that we can take away. From this, some people don't just, aren't just Christians based upon who they're around or the background that they're around, just trying to blend in with whatever society deems is proper or correct or, uh, you know, so they won't be embarrassed. But also, some Christians are a uh, comedian Christian based upon the mood that they're in. We can't come to church and run and dance uh, the aisles and, and come to the altar and pray and cry and boohoo and throw our hands up and then go home and be tyrants. But some folks are like that. Some people are like that. And then the third thing that I found kind of interesting uh, is uh, that according to the temperature it's around, I have found Christians that are Christians when it's convenient to be a Christian. If it gets a little hot, you know, things get a little sticky. If somebody wants to ask a question that makes them a little uncomfortable or talk to them and and it feels like it's getting a little bit hot, they'll change their tone. All of a sudden, they're not an on-fire Christian anymore. All of a sudden, it's okay to go stand off in a corner or or work their way around the subject. But the Bible tells us that we're, we're to have an answer. That we're to study to show ourselves approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That we're to have an answer to, to any man that asks us of a question. Well, that takes study. That takes preparation. And sometimes, you know, uh, it's easy to quote that scripture that you heard uh, the preacher uh, quote behind the, uh, the pulpit Sunday morning. Uh, a- until somebody wants to ask you, okay, now tell me what's that mean? And all of a sudden we cool down. We change colors a little bit. But I'm telling you, God wants his people, his church, to be on fire for him all the time. Amen. Uh, there are uh, Christians that can only serve God after a camp meeting or, or some kind of a conference or convention. They come back all fired up, and, and, and uh, they're just on fire for God. But they cannot live for God in the daily routine of everyday life. They need somebody to preach that perfect sermon, yeah. to tell that perfect story, to, to, uh, to have that per- hit that perfect note on the organ, you know, uh, in order for them to be touched. But when they go home or when they come back to their home church and, and it's just the same preacher that they've been listening to for the last 10 years or, or the same songs that we've been singing for uh, the last five years or whatever it is, it's just the norm. It's very difficult for them to serve God. But what will combat that is when we make up our mind. I'm telling you, when somebody is brand new in church... They don't need a, a, a beautiful sermon. They just want the Word. Give me the Word. And, and they are excited to have the Word. They are not double-minded. They are sold. And when we find ourselves in a place where we are sold out to God, when we have given our life completely to Him, we're not going to need a, 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 a conference speaker or a conference speaker a musician or conference singers in order to get us to worship, we are going to be hungry to worship God. It's not going to take a a church of 1,500 or 2,000 to excite us. You can come to a church where there's only 15 or 20 or a prayer meeting where there's two or three and you can find the Spirit of God can fill you, and God can keep you, and God can fire you up to where it doesn't matter what comes against you, you can stay true to Him and His Word through the daily grind of life. Because let's be honest, most of our life is not in the conventions and the camp meetings. Most of our life is in the daily routine. And we're going to have to figure out a way to not get into the place where, well, it's just mundane church. It's just same old, same old. E. Stanley Jones uh, said this, If you don't make up your mind, then your unmade mind will unmake you. One of the greatest things that we can do for a, for a new convert is to get them established. Established. I love the fact, I, I, I like to see them worship, I like to see uh, them pray, I like to see them come to the altars, and, and all of those things, those are all good things, but we have to get them in the Word. They've got to get in the Word. Do you know like, one of the greatest, uh, help me out, somebody, statistics, statistics. Yeah. statistics, one of the greatest statistics that I have ever heard. Yeah is that those that are in uh, Bible quizzing, you know what Bible quizzing is? That's when they study, That you'll take a kid, they have all different categories of ages, and they, these kids, they study a book of the Bible, and they get that word in them. They can quote it. You can start uh, reading one, and they'll, they'll raise their hand or hit the buzzer or whatever, and they'll finish it out, or they'll answer the question. They, they get that word hidden in their heart. It is, I, I don't know the exact number, but it's well over the 90% range yeah. of Bible quizzers never backslide. Now you tell me that that doesn't say something about how powerful the Word is when you can get it inside of a child or a young adult or an adult. It's true. Amen. I listen to a lot of talk radio, but I have been since we've figured out that new Bible app. I've been putting in my earbuds on my way to work. Uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm listening to that word. I just want the word. And, and you're, you're very true in what you said. Sometimes I can be listening to it, but my mind is a million miles away. Mm-hmm. Anybody else like that? Oh yeah. I've read three chapters. I, can't, I don't even know what book I'm in. You know, <laughs> I'm like, what did I just read? And I have to back up and start all over again because I have to train my mind to focus itself and not be double-minded. John Mason said, "This the double-minded man is easily overcome in an hour of temptation." What's he saying? He said, "It doesn't take much for mm-hmm. somebody that doesn't have their mind made up of what they're going to do, that they're really going to serve God. Doesn't take much to get them off track. Doesn't take much to knock them off off the fence." Amen. It's eight thirty. Let me let me wrap up. I'm just going to give you three quick scriptures here, and then we'll close up. First Kings eighteen twenty one, and Elijah came unto all the people and said, "How long?" Halt ye between two opinions. The Bible is full of scriptures Mm -hmm. that that talk to us about making up our mind. Not being double-minded. He said, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Elijah knew who his God was. Elijah was not afraid to put his God to the test in front of these people. He knew that God would come through for them. And he said, here we are, and we're going to put this to the test. Let's, let's quit arguing about this. Let's quit being double-minded. Let God show, let's, let's see who the real God is. And then once we figure that out, let's choose to serve him. If it be Baal, okay, I'll, I'll admit that, that I'm wrong, but I know I'm not. And God proved himself. Hosea 10 and 2 said, their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall, shall spoil their images. Why? Because they have a divided heart. They're double-minded. They've not, they've not made up their mind who they're going to serve. And because of that, anybody that's heart and mind is not made up to serve God, it won't be long before their altars are trashed. It won't be long before their altars of their life are non-existent anymore. Last one, Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. More scriptures that I could go through tonight. but For the sake of time, we're going to wrap this this lesson up. Try to finish it up next Wednesday night. Amen. Uh, uh, if you've got two horses, one in your left hand and one in your right hand, they're both pulling the opposite direction. You better let go of one of them. It's going to tear you apart if Well, you, don't. you know,
0: I think that I was, I was mentioning how how a double-minded person is con- very confused. I think that how confusing it is for the lost to see a Christian, be, you know what I mean? They're like, you know, they think. I thought they you were think, a Christian. Yeah, a lot of the
1: world knows what we proclaim to be. <clears throat> exactly. Or knows what a Christian lifestyle should be. So when exactly. they see a Christian proclaiming to be saved or proclaiming to be a christian but not acting like a christian it is very confusing well yeah you
0: know like how you know you've heard i don't know i just you know somebody say how can you go to a church on sunday and then here you are at this with us you know some people won't care but there are some of like and that's so confusing well that's you know that's double-mindedness it's confusing to, we're confused, and the people that are seeing us are confused. They're like, I don't know what's going on.
1: That's why it's important for a platform standard. I'm just going to throw that in there because I'm, I'm the pastor and I can do that. <laughs> a platform standard is very important. What, sure. what you, anybody can walk through our door. I, we welcome everybody to walk through our door. Absolutely. I don't care where they come from, what their socio-economical backgrounds, color of their skin, uh, any, anything. I don't, it doesn't matter. They can walk through our door, and they are welcome to worship with us. But when it comes to the platform, there must be a standard in place there. There must be a safeguard, because what it shows is that this is what this church re- believes in. We're, not, this confused. Is, we're yeah, not confused. We're not confused. You may not agree with us. You may not understand us. But you will certainly, we will be defined. We will be defined. We will have a, an identity on that platform that says and states, who we are, and who we serve, and what we believe. And I believe that is a critically important thing for, for us to have. And I don't ever want to lose that. All right. Okay. Bow your heads. We're going to say a word of prayer tonight in closing. Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. Thank you for the presence of your spirit that's in this place. Bless this church, God. Keep your hand upon us as we go about our remainder of our work week. God, we pray that your anointing would be upon us. Help us to have wonderful church service this Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. And would you say amen? God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can tune in to this station for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If this has blessed you, we ask that you like our episode and follow our podcast. You can also check out our website at LandmarkApostolicChurch.net where you can have the opportunity to be part of our extended family. We appreciate you and thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Churches podcast. God bless.